Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Mom podcast. I am your host, Michelle Pickens. I am the voice behind chronicallyblonde.com and obviously this podcast. I have Crohn's disease. I am a mom of two little ones and I use my platform to help empower, connect, and educate within the IBD community. So you can head over to my website to see some of the resources that I have and uh, just keep up with with what's going on. And for more of day-to-day content, you can head over to my Instagram page at chronicallyblonde. So today is World IBD Day, and in honor of the holiday, I wanted to do a special episode. I was thinking of what to do, and I realized that I haven't shared my full story in quite a while. So if you're a newer listener, newer reader, you might not know um, the whole journey that brought me to where I am within IBD advocacy and just with my diagnosis. So I figured what better day than World IBD Day to take you guys on this journey with me. So I'm going to share my story chronologically. Um, I didn't get diagnosed until I was in my 20s. Um, So I was experiencing symptoms pretty much my whole life. So looking back, as I'm telling it chronologically, there are things that potentially correlate and seem to make so much more sense. So I'll point those out. But just remember that in the moment, I didn't realize that. My parents didn't realize that. So just context for the story there. So when I was a baby, I, not a baby, when I was like a toddler, I remember I started to have really bad constipation issues. And I remember my parents having to do suppositories for me all the time. And it was just like miserable and going to the bathroom was just so painful. Like it was, I have always had a negative association with pooping, like forever. Um, So as I got older, um, that continued, I would just have really irregular bowel movements. um, And I felt bloated all the time. Um, I also, at this time, had some upset stomach issues too with nausea. Um, and recently when I've looked back on this, I'm wondering if this is related in some way, but I developed a pretty, pretty intense OCD as a child when I was around five years old and I had an extreme fear of throwing up. So I was terrified of vomiting. Um, and then I got really nervous around different foods if they were going to make my stomach hurt or potentially make me throw up. Um, so I, my parents started me in therapy for that, which was great and definitely needed. Um, but I think a lot of my stomach issues then as a child were kind of pushed off onto, oh, it's her OCD, it's her anxiety. That's what the underlying issue is here. So I fast forward a couple years, just living with that. I remember when I was it was probably like middle school years or early high school and I was at my pediatrician and I was trying to explain that my stomach is always bloated and I'm like I feel like this it like it's not normal and my pediatrician said well maybe that's just how you are maybe that is your normal and 
after that, I sort of shut down. Like I still, I remember that feeling. I remember in that moment, I was like, okay, maybe something isn't wrong. And it really deterred me from saying anything else. Um, I think it was also sort of normalized in my house to have digestive issues, which is interesting because my mom, she got diagnosed with Crohn's disease after I did. But growing up, I knew that she always had um, issues with, you know, her stomach, her abdomen, dealing with GI issues. Um, And I feel like even when I asked her, she was kind of just like, yeah, this is normal. Like, you have to live with it. Um, So I went through my life. It didn't disrupt me crazily. Um, Then in late high school, I started to develop an eating disorder. Um, at that point I was just all messed up with my GI symptoms. I was, uh, definitely abusing laxatives. I was taking them every day, multiple times a day. That really threw me off. Um, part of the reason I started to use laxatives because I was feeling so bloated and I thought maybe that would be a, a way to get everything out and kind of like have a fresh start. I, I don't know. Um, and from that, that really escalated um, into full-blown anorexia. Um, so at 17, I went into partial hospitalization treatment for anorexia. Um, And I did that the summer before I went to college. Um, And then I sort of felt better, I guess. Um, In college, it was just kind of crazy life. I thought it was normal. You know, I would go out and be drinking with my friends and eating pizza and then coming home and feeling horrible. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm just, you know, hungover or super tired because it's college. Um, And then... I started to realize when I was, I'd say probably like 22, um, things started to get a lot worse. I was at the point where I was vomiting almost every day. I was nauseous all the time. I was so tired. Um, I was really starting to get to a point where I could not function very well. Um, And this was a very big difference for me from before I was feeling so sick because I was the person that was like waking up at 5.30 in the morning. I was going to hair school all day, then going and working and then going out all night and totally fine. And obviously like, you know, I was younger and burning the candle at at both ends, but um, it was just, it was very different. I'm like, something is not, not right here. Um, So at the time also, I was under a lot of stress with the type of job I was in. Um, I didn't have regular sleeping patterns. It was just a lot of things that were going on that were making my life kind of chaotic. And I think the stress really played into that. So I started trying to explore seeing different GI doctors. I saw One, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, maybe something's wrong. We don't really know. Um, And then I saw another specialist that was recommended. I was really looking forward to seeing him um, because I thought that hopefully I would get some answers. Um, But he told me, despite me vomiting every day um, and 
barely being able to work. He said I was the healthiest person that he's seen all day and he doesn't think anything was wrong with me and he thought it was my anxiety. Woof. <laughs> so that wasn't good. Um, so I remember I was just feeling completely destroyed after that appointment. I was feeling very lost. I didn't know, like, I thought I was crazy. I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Like, am I just overly sensitive? Am I a weak person that I'm just reacting to these things that are happening to my body? And wait, like, does everyone feel like this and I just can't handle it? So th- I really went back and forth about that. So throughout my teens and my early 20s, I still had a lot of, like I said, bloating, but I had a lot of pain that was happening too. I was in the emergency room or urgent care many times for lower uh, lower abdominal pain on my right side. Every time I went, they thought it was my appendix. They thought I had endometriosis. There was a time when they were insisting that they thought I was pregnant, which I was not. Um, but a l- no one ever thought, oh, maybe it's IVD. Um, and that contributed definitely to the feeling of, am I crazy? Because I, I was going and seeing medical professionals and they're like, oh no, like it's your anxiety that's making you feel this way. Or, um, you know, you're just, it's from period cramps or something. I'm like, I, it, I know it's not. Um, but when you're, you know, a teenager or in your early twenties, you don't know what you don't know. And my parents were doing the best that they could to advocate for me too. But I remember I was in the emergency room, my dad was there one time and he's like, I don't know what, like, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I went through, I went through, um, a lot of ups and downs, um, with that. I also, at the same time that my Crohn's symptoms were really bad before I was diagnosed, um, I was having a lot of bladder issues. So, I thought that I was just getting UTIs all the time, uh, but I, so I went on this whole journey with the urologists, and they were doing exploratory uh, procedures, trying to figure out what was what was going on. Um, and eventually, it, it turned out that it was related to the Crohn's, um, and I didn't actually have UTIs. It was my stomach spasms causing bladder spasms, um, and it was extremely uncomfortable. Um, and eventually I was able to be resolved, but that was kind of another thing that was an experience <laughs> getting getting diagnosed. Finally, I and I'd gotten a colonoscopy and endoscopy done before, and there they said that there was nothing to find. I finally went to a new GI doctor and I explained to them what was going on and my my blood work was fine at this time as well. Um, and they recommended we do another colonoscopy and endoscopy, but they also wanted to do the small bowel capsule. So the camera that you swallow and it can track your whole digestive system. So they can get a view of everything that's going on. So it turns out after that, uh, they were able to diagnose me with Crohn's disease, um, and my Crohn's, my active Crohn's was in the blind spot where a colonoscopy and endoscopy 
can't get to. So it's kind of that in-between where neither of them reach. Um, so that's why none of the imaging or anything, it, it wasn't showing up in a, in a way that they could um, could see until the small bowel capsule came around. Um, so at that point, I started on medication. Um, this was right around the time when I was switching my job. Um, but I got to the point where I was really sick and I, I didn't work for a little bit because I, I was so sick. Um, I was just a couple months, but it felt like a long time. Um, I also met Matt, my husband around this time. Fun fact, a little detour here. I felt so sick on our first date. I actually threw up on our first date. Um, so that's a little fun fact and we still got married. So yeah, so he was a huge support to me and he knew from the beginning uh, what I was going through with my diagnosis. Um, so a couple, probably a couple weeks or maybe like a month after I had started um, Pentaza to try and get some of the inflammation under control and see if that would be an acceptable treatment for my body. Uh, I had a reaction to it and it I don't know what happened, but they said 90% of people, the Pentaza works well and it should be fine, but I am the 10% that it just had a opposite reaction for me. So I was in the hospital for a couple days um, and they were just tracking my bowel movements. They did like colonoscopy and endoscopy again, see what was going on. Uh, basically, they decided that they were going to have me start on a biologic. So to back up a little bit on timeline, I was diagnosed in 2015 when I was 23, um, about to turn 24. And then I started on the biologic at the end of 2015. And then I started on Remicade and in the beginning of 2017. So I was on Simzia for about a year, I guess, a year and a half. Um, and it didn't really do anything. I was still feeling really crappy. I guess maybe I was feeling a little bit better because, or I don't know if I was actually feeling better. I was just able to cope with the symptoms more. Um, I was still in a stressful work environment and just still not, it wasn't, it wasn't great. So wasn't feeling good. Switched to Remicade in 2017. Um, and I've been on Remicade ever, ever since. So since then, I have been feeling better. I've had ups and downs, uh, as we all do. Um, and I've been on and off of other medications here and there, steroids, antibiotics, uh, just, you know, the gamut of things. So the point that I'm at now, I am not sure if Remicade is going to get me to remission, kind of TBD on that. But the reason why I stayed on it as long as I did, um, even though I'm not in remission, is one, it's working well enough. Um, but two, I really wanted to have kids. And this was communicated to me as the safest option during pregnancy. So that's when my whole kind of, I call it my like second chapter of IBD because I went through a lot when I was getting diagnosed and my mom was diagnosed after me. My sister was diagnosed. It was a whole 
kind of awakening for us, realizing that this is an issue. And then I got more comfortable and then I wanted to have kids. And that was definitely a different experience um, navigating trying to get pregnant and maternal care um, when you have IBD um, and when you are on a biologic. So I've done some separate podcast episodes about that, so I won't go into the the whole uh, story with that. But um, I stayed on Remicade through most of my pregnancy with Maddox. It was recommended that I stop in the third trimester, so I did. I ended up getting really sick. Uh, I was already sick throughout the pregnancy anyway, but then I um, I also had suspected coleostasis, so they had me deliver via C-section early at uh, 37 weeks. Um, they tried to induce me and it failed, but yeah, so I had Maddox at 37 weeks. Um, and then I was able to get Remicade after that. I still was having a pretty bad flare until I stopped breastfeeding. Um, so my GI actually brought that up to me and he's like, Hey, you know, it was about six, seven months in with Maddox. And he's like, that could be the reason that hormones could play into it. Obviously, we don't know. Um, but at that point, I was comfortable stopping. Um, and I felt so much better when I when I did. So I went on kind of status quo. Um, and I tried to learn as much as I could about maternal care and IBD. There's not, there wasn't a ton out there um, because I knew that I wanted to have another baby and there were so many things that were missing as far as resources or just information in general. Um, And that's why I started to share more about it on, on my platforms um, because when I did, there were so many women that reached out to me and were like, I I'm literally on Instagram looking for people to talk to about this because there aren't any resources and my doctors don't know. And so I'm just trying to figure out what I can and have people to talk to and kind of like crowdsource information. Um, so that's when I really switched my, my content and focus and advocacy into specifically the motherhood and maternal health component, um, within IBD. So with my daughter, I was still on Remicade. I campaigned to stay on Remicade uh, the entire pregnancy, um, even though it usually is recommended. It was recommended before uh, to go off of it in your third trimester because it does transfer over the placenta. Um, So I stayed on it. I was still pretty sick throughout my whole pregnancy with her. Uh, with, you know, just GI symptoms, exhaustion, joint pain, migraine, like I had a lot of things going on. Um, so I delivered her at 37 weeks, scheduled C-section. There were a lot of issues with the back and forth between maternal fetal medicine and the hospital and my OB and then my gastro. So many conflicting opinions on if I should be on Remicade. If I can't be on Remicade, they were telling me that they couldn't give me uh, the epidural because I had had Remicade within six weeks of my scheduled C-section. Like I still, I got it and it was fine, but it was very all over the place with the, with the recommendations. 
Um, so now I am, my daughter just turned seven months yesterday. So now I have Maddox who's two and a half and McKenna who is seven months. My goal now is just to feel as well as I can so I can be present with them. Um, I am maxed out on my dose of Remicade, so I don't really have anywhere to go with that. Um, but we'll see. And I'm trying to get some of these other, uh, extraintestinal manifestations uh dealt with like I have been having joint pain um my whole life but it's gotten a lot worse over the past couple of years so I'm trying to figure out that if that's caused they're not sure if it's because of the Crohn's or because of the Remicade which is kind of weird um but I'm figuring out things like that and I feel like I'm at a stable enough point with my Crohn's that I am able to look into these other things and hopefully improve that quality of life uh, so that I can just be there with my kids, have the energy um, and be able to just be present with them and not focused on my IBD. So that was a brief history of my journey. If you guys have any questions, feel free to let me know. I just, I tried to tell all the details that, that I could, but not bore you guys. Um, so hopefully this helps. Hopefully hearing people's story like my own and other advocates out there, hopefully that inspires you to share your story too, because the community wants to hear from patients. We want to connect with other patients. It's so different how IBD manifests in every patient. So it's important that we share what we're going through because you could go to the doctor and explain your symptoms and they're like, I I don't know. I haven't heard anyone with that. And then you go on the, the internet community and you hear 20 different people that have had similar issues as you. So that can help you not only feel more confident in bringing that back up to your doctor or researching or kind of crowdsourcing um, some suggestions there, um, but it will just make you feel like you're not crazy is having more of the community to to lean on. Um, if you are listening to this and you are in the thick of diagnosis or the thick of not knowing what is next for your treatment, um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I know I very briefly described uh, the the impact that my diagnosis had, but I was very lost beforehand. I the the mental impact was probably one of the hardest things. I felt horrible about myself because I couldn't work like I used to. I couldn't be present with my friends or my family like I used to. It was very difficult and dark. And I turned to the online community. That was really that and, you know, my my family. Um, but the online community, they got what I was going through. And that's what inspired me to start to, um, you know, share my story in more, in more detail. Um, but know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It feels so dark sometimes, but there are possibilities. There's a light. There's always people within the community that are willing to connect with you. There's GI doctors that really, really do care if you have 
a situation now where you're not comfortable with your GI doctor, you feel like they are not giving you the care that you need, go look for someone else. Um, You deserve it. And I think the more that we talk about this, the better it is going to get for our community because we're going to have more people rallying together to encourage more research, more funding, and hopefully we'll be able to find a cure for this someday. Um, But at least through bringing our community together, we have that support and that is so crucial in navigating IBD. All right, that will wrap up my special World IBD Day podcast. I hope this was helpful. If you guys have any questions, um, feel free to just message me directly um, on Instagram. And I might actually do an Ask Me Anything uh, later today. So let me know. I feel like I ran through everything so quickly. So uh, I, I might have missed something here or there. So glad to clarify anything. Shout out to all of my IBD warriors out there. You all are such badasses and I love this community so much. Happy World IBD Day.